Hey, welcome back to Mobile First. I'm your host, Jordan Bryant. Every week, I sit down with industry leaders to unlock how they are creating effective mobile experiences that make an impact for their businesses so that you can understand the perspective and tactics to replicate their success. If you're new to the show, Mobile First is the media child of Emerge Interactive, a digital experience company with two decades of creating highly performing digital products out of Portland, Oregon. We believe that every digital product owner deserves a clear vision, plan of action, and the right capabilities to create effective digital experiences that help to increase sales and performance. This week on Emerge Mobile First, a conversation with Aji Udezwe, head of product for Atlassian's communication products. And so I think step one for me was as a child and a teenager, I just read voraciously. Like I explored worlds beyond the worlds that were in front of me. And uh, this set up expectations and aspirations for myself, which created a hunger. Aji Udezwe is the head of product for Atlassian's communication products, which just launched its first new product since IPO, Atlassian Stride. A product veteran with past roles at Microsoft, Bridgewater Associates, Spiceworks, and his own startup, Intermingle, Aji is passionate about bringing new scalable products and ideas into the world. He mentors startups with a focus on companies with diverse founders and drives startup investments in Africa as a passion project. His ultimate goal is productizing functional telepathy, but for now, we'll settle for transforming how teams and the people in them communicate and process social data at work. Aji, thanks for joining us. Really excited to have you here. Thanks, Jordan. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah, thank you. Before diving into your experience, we'd like to pause for just a brief moment and get to know your perspective, your why. So, Aji, what are you most passionate about in your profession and why? That's a great question. There are a couple of things I'm passionate about. One is just solving problems in novel ways. The thing that I love most is when you can slick like a deep human need or problem the way that someone just never thought about before. That ability to bring a new solution, a new perspective is something that I crave. It's a, it's a big dopamine hit for when, when I think about product management or when I think about building products. And then the second thing I love is just leadership. As I've grown in my career, in my profession, uh, I just realized that sometimes, most times actually, the solution is people. And to make the solution of people really work, you have to lead them really well. You have to think about them completely holistically and think about what motivates them. So I really love the leadership part of my, my job and being a great leader, a great manager, which actually is a different kind of thing than being a leader. So I love that part too. Oh, that's really cool. I like how you ordered that. The solution is people. That's a really unique way to put that. So what about your upbringing or your childhood created this this passion in you you know what about your experience made you a leader the probabilities for me as an individual were, were never really high i was born in one of the poor countries in the southern hemisphere in nigeria i wasn't poor exactly personally but middle class in a poor country it was a given that i would probably not have an impact beyond my family my friends my city and so I think step one for me was as a child and a teenager, I just read voraciously. Like I explored worlds beyond the worlds that were in front of me. And uh, this set up expectations and aspirations for myself, which created a hunger, right? 
Uh, why couldn't I be that brilliant author? Why couldn't I be that brilliant inventor? And I think uh, step two was just gifts. You know, I was good at a bunch of things. So I dabbled, uh, engineering, Czech, student politics, Czech, press, publishing, running a magazine, Czech, you know, and all these things and all these experiences meant my hunger was going up, my expectations for myself were going up. And as I went through college, and I said to realize I, should, I shouldn't settle for less, uh, and I resolved to really search for my life's mission no matter where it was. And that journey took me to the United States, grad school, eventually led me to some great opportunities with some great companies, eventually led me to perk management. And I decided that was the best way that I had found to express myself, creativity, my ambition, my ability to be innovative. And, you know, I just began to work my butt off uh, in that space. And then here I am today. That's really cool. And it's what's really interesting is there's a, a word, a common theme that's come up in my recent interviews, and, and it's this, this idea of hunger, right? And you thinking, why not me? Why can't I do that? And then going out and dabbling and experiencing a lot so that you had a vast experience and you had this hunger to achieve anything. And then you have applied that in a very creative way. So I think that is really interesting and something just for us to keep in mind as we're talking today and how that, that hunger peaks its head throughout some of the things that you work on. So based on your journey so far, coming from Nigeria and from your, uh, your journey, your career so far, you know, what about your background influences how you approach your job today? Before I move on to that, I just want to make a previous comment. Like, I, I feel like part of the answer to what brought me here is that I like to have an impact and I'm sort of overcompensating for a time in my life where the odds were against me. So I love having an impact. So I'm making the most of it. Um, I think it's really for me about cherishing every opportunity, right? It's about, like, it is special. I am. I worked at Microsoft for a long time, and that customer base of that company is is massive. And one of the things that, unbeknownst to a lot of people, that really animates Microsoft employees is, is this love of having your ideas be delivered to millions, maybe a billion people instantly. Like I worked on Windows, I worked on Search, I worked on Windows Live, and you know I joke all the time and I tell people sometimes that. When I see them using a Windows machine, I say a piece of my soul is in it. I cherish the the opportunity to have that kind of impact. That Atlassian, I am building the future of teamwork. We really wake up every day thinking about how to empower teams. And we know that that's sort of a big contribution to, to what makes the world good. And for me, that connection to a higher purpose is something I treasure and I cherish. I, I wake up every day excited about it, excited to contribute to it. Actually, if I think about the other path, you know, the opportunity cost of this, if I hadn't been able to have this opportunity, how I would not be able to have this impact. Yeah. And it's just the way that you talk about it too. It just, it feels so airy. And it's like, you've got this great balance of hunger yet gratitude. And this like, it's almost like transcendental, right? You're, it's, connected to something bigger. And like you'd mentioned, like you, you come from where the odds were against you to now where you feel like you have unlimited opportunity and just the drive to seize anything. That's, that's really, really cool. And then you brought up Atlassian. 
how that is now that creative outlet for you. Can you give us a little uh, insight into, you know, for maybe those that don't know what Alaskan is, you guys are what you do? I called back to leadership as part of something I'm excited about in my role. And actually, when I think about leadership, one of the big things that I have to do is to give people purpose. It's not money that most people are, are hungry for, uh, although that's good. If you, if you stuff my compensation with Ferraris, I'll take it any day. But people love purpose. Like People need to wake up thinking that they're, that they're impacting something important. If you're sort of on the white or the good side of this, sure, you like to do good stuff, big, impactful, good stuff. And if you're evil, <laughs> you know, maybe you like to do big, impactful, evil stuff. But, you know, whatever you do, people want to have a purpose. So I really believe that. And I, I try to think about that as a leader. Lassian is a public company whose mission is to unleash the potential in every team. We really believe that the, the real unit of progress in society is not the Lone Ranger. It's a team. Every time you hear the myth of the Lone Inventor, I think you just have to scratch a little deeper to see the cast of characters that supported them to get to the point where they're moving humanity forward. We think about that all the time. We build collaboration software that helps every kind of team flourish. Our most traditionally famous product is Jira which powers many software teams in almost any company. That's massive because, as you know, software is eating the world, as they say, and every company is going to become partly a software company. So Jira is a very successful product. And if you're a software team, you, you need Jira to make your investment count. Now, we also have other collaboration tools, Trello, Confluence. I don't want to go into every little one of them, but it's all sort of centered on empowering teams. I'm the head of product for at Lashing Communications, and I oversee Stride, uh, HipChat, uh, some of our video and advanced meeting functionality. And all those things are geared to making teams, empowering them, making them connect more, making them produce better ideas. So, Aji, when you came to Atlassian, you know, what were some of the early challenges you were faced with when joining the team a little over a year ago? You know, it's always about the human side, right? Like, I think at, at a certain point in leadership, it's who am I going to be working with? Are they uh, great people or are they assholes? And how do I deal with the answer to that either way it is? So I think my first task was coming into, as a head of product, coming in and sizing up the team that was producing the innovation that we needed, uh, looking at the state of the PM craft, looking at product practices, after that, sizing up the delivery function itself, sort of engineering, design, and more of that. And then deciding that, given what I saw, what was the most effective and impactful thing for me to do next? Uh, so I spent some time just laying back and absorbing information, so asking stupid quest questions uh, so I could get a sense of what that was, and then making some changes so we could accomplish our goal. And so... I'm curious, you know, of those, you said the PMing, the product practice. Uh, yeah, yeah, I call it craft, like all the basics of being a product manager, just ideas and, and scoping and writing specs and, and just uh, sequencing ideas, communicating them with the creative team so that it can get done, stuff like that. Got it. And then you said the, the delivery function as well. And so between those things, what where did you see where there was a need for the biggest impact or change to be made? The communications team was actually pretty strong. I scored the craft and the product 
pretty high. I, I scored the delivery function really high. And I think most of the opportunities were actually in the interstitial, the partnership between product and delivery and the partnership between product and marketing. And so those are where I saw opportunities, the seams between these things. Because sometimes things get dropped. Like you can have very strong functions in research and development, but you might have seams between them. And so when I came in, I said, looking at those seams, looking for opportunities to make that handoff smoother, work better. You know, you want a, you want a team where you feel like you can do an alley-oop, you know, you throw the ball and you know someone is going to snatch it out of the sky and dunk it. And that's what I focus my time on. And then I focus my time on storytelling, vision, North Star, just simple devices that help focus people. And then lastly, it was more about prioritizing. Like you have to cut features to ship. You always do. And so making sure that the prioritization that allowed people to make trade-offs correctly was in place. Interesting. So it sounds like there's, there's two core seams then, the one between product and marketing and then the one between product and delivery. Of those two, which one do you think was the 80-20? Really focused on product and marketing. We made a lot of hay by thinking hard about how to translate raw features into a great story for our customers. You know, and I, you know, one of the lessons I learned from the Stride project was, you know, you got to tell a great story and you got to figure out how to do it. And what were some of the you know, hurdles that you had there? And then what were some of the breakthroughs from those hurdles? It's hard to say hurdle. Like, I think if you change the word to challenge, okay. I would say one of them was, you know, Atlassian is a, a global company. We have offices in Sydney and Austin, in New York now, in Mountain View in San Francisco. But it is a global company like Stride, even though we build it mostly in Austin, a bunch of the Atlassian platform that we consume to make the magic work are built in all of these different places. So navigating how to work remotely with these critical components of our product that were essentially built in another continent or another coast was a challenge that we had to navigate. Also, for example, when I talk about the seams, the marketing function for us was also in a different location. So the process of storytelling together seamlessly between product and, and, and marketing was also something that we had to coordinate over sort of a remote, a remote connection. Interesting. I, you know, I can see maybe a lot of people listening in that maybe have similar challenges like that, that are maybe global companies. What were some of the frameworks or exercises or things that you did to facilitate better communication between those departments? Honestly, it's the basics. So have regular standing meetings that codify some kind of goal that moves the needle forward and everyone knows what it is. Make sure you secure a buy-in so that you can have a regular attendance. If the meeting is not needed, cancel it early so that people don't waste their time because there's nothing more annoying than a meeting that essentially is useless and people just stop, lose confidence in it. When you do meet, you know, be very crisp. Make sure you have clear owners, open questions that and clear owners for those open questions. Date for dates. If you don't have actual dates where you haven't made a decision. Now, the beauty of the Atlassian suite itself is that we actually have tools. We built our company for ourselves in many ways. And so you can do all of those things I talked about really well by using Confluence, by using 
Drive for video or HipChat at that time for video, using tools like AppMention so that people have clear ownership over any particular thing. And I could go on and on, but it's the basics, making sure you're doing the basics at high performance every single time really makes remote work. Yeah. I mean, it may seem like basic talking about this stuff, but it's clear you have a very in- intentional structure with how you approach it. And then in using the products and to facilitate these meetings, it's also great user testing, which is you know another interesting thing uh, for that product team and, and feedback there. Uh, we talk relentlessly. We really do. <laughs> yeah. And being that you're in the communications space department really of this, I, I think that that's why... I was interested in this and and was curious about that because really you're setting the gold standard for that in these mobile experiences, but then, you know, how you guys structure that internally to facilitate something like that, you know, that's, I think there's some nuggets there. So I would love to maybe transition a little bit to the Atlassian Stride app and Aji maybe get a little bit more insight into what role you played in it and what those early stages were like. I came in in the fun part (laughs) of, of the project. The TLDR is we pioneered the work messaging market in a product called HipChat. We actually, you know, Lassian bought it when it was still basically very young and began to invest in it because we realized that this was a really unique way to communicate in the era of uh, email fatigue, in the era of better cross-platform mobile-first development. We thought, look, being able to message people quickly does magic in a way that email can't ever do and sort of reduces spam and lets people really have a shared perspective on their work. And so we built HipChat and HipChat was really successful, but we spent seven, eight years with it. And we figured out that there were innovations that needed to happen beyond just team messaging. And so that realization was what gave birth to Stride, which was that you don't just do team messaging anymore. You do sort of an integrated communications uh, experience, so which combines messaging, obviously, because messaging is, a, is the main metaphor for communication in our age right now. But you also combine that with collaboration tools. So we have what we call teamwork elements so that while you're actually in conversation, you can be working because you can assign tasks, you can make decisions, and it just doesn't just all scroll away. The second piece is seamless meeting. So it's not just bolting on video into this messaging medium, but it's really embedding meetings, being able to escalate from text to face and back so seamlessly that it feels like one thing and you don't have to get a second video application into the mix because, you know, your video has presence, your video knows who's available and all of those things that uh, make seamless things exciting. And the last thing was freedom to focus. We spent many, many years figuring out that there was some tax to messaging and we needed to give people back the freedom to focus and not just respond like, a, you know, like a hamster. Pack all of that sort of learning after running a product for eight years and saying, okay, what do we do with this thing that is this hard-won wisdom, and I think the hard-won wisdom was Stride, which is embodies all those things, like all the things I talked about. It's cross-platform. It's great messaging. It's great meetings. It's great collaboration tools. It's a freedom to focus all in one great package with an amazing API that powers workflows with AIs, powers workflow with other applications. 
so that was our decision. We couldn't do it by bolting all those things onto the old thing. We needed a new thing. I came in when the project started, and my job was just to get it to success, right? And then build the future of it, the next iteration, the next vision of it. And so that was essentially my role. Interesting. Okay. You know, how would you define getting it to success? Were there maybe specific KPIs associated with that? Oh, absolutely. Like when you run a SaaS cloud product, you're, you know, one of the first things is just, you know, you got to be available. You got to be reliable. You got to be performant. You got to have high security and getting all those things that transparent to customers, but completely necessary. You know, we live in an age where SaaS products topple over all the time. And we spent a lot of time making sure that we could build a highly available product. Part of that was also feature set, like bringing, first of all, the basic feature set that I talked about, team messaging, but also bring the unique perspective of all the things we learned with HipChat uh, to bear as well. So, and then doing it at a time, advantageous time, time to market that was good for Atlassian. You know, this was a critical project. This is the first product since Atlassian's IPO. So we needed to be bringing to market very confidently with some swagger and sort of our thought leadership. And so if I express that in terms of KPIs, it was bring it to market on time, make it as reliable in a way that customers could rely on, make it pleasant, make it pleasing. It had to be delightful. And those were sort of the main things that we thought about as we marched to the finish. I mean, there's a lot of things packed into Stride. There's, there's a lot of utility there. and the collaboration tools, seamless meetings, freedom to focus, like these are all things that could probably be their own application, their own solutions. And so you package so much utility in here. Was there ever a point where there was too much? <laughs> we hope that's what our customers think, <laughs> that they have too much good stuff. But no, we really believe that like, if you see our roadmap for this year, you, it's even more amazing, right? And it's not throwing features. Uh, remember, this is not throwing features at people. This is thematic. Like, the freedom to focus is not just one thing. It's a series of, it's a philosophy for us. And that is a layer cake of things that give you the freedom to focus. Meetings built seamlessly into a presence-enabled team messaging application is not a feature set. It's a richness that it's another layer cake that we will extend for customers so that they have a rock solid pillar they can rely on. You know, collaboration tools, we call them teamwork elements. Today, you allow you to mark any messages and action or decision. In the future, there'll be other semantic types. Maybe you'll be able to ask a question and you'll be able to see that it's a question. Maybe you'll be able to do an update and you'll know that, look, this person is updating you and you don't need to sort of reply to that. And and other kinds of ways to, so that when you stare at communication, you extract even more meaning than just text to it. Because, you know, this is how naturally we communicate. We have accents, we have jokes, inflections. How do you get a joke and inflection into work communication beyond just an emoji? So these are things we obsess about. Was there something that you learned about creating Stride that you maybe didn't expect? Right. You know, sometimes you relearn things, uh, maybe because you learned it a long time ago and you forgot or you took it for granted. I think the thing that I learned even more sharply with Stride is tell a great story, right? 
what happens in product management and product development is that when you start thinking about a feature, you sort of go down, deconstruct it. Hopefully you have some insight that gives you the momentum to build a thing because you understand the customer value, the real job to be done. And then you translate that into a way to communicate with developers and designers. You get it done. But you know, as you go down the path of execution, it becomes just a, a task, a job goes away from some of the ideation. And so what you need to do at the end is sort of reverse the process. You know, you need to go back to what is the job to be done? What is the core value to customers? And once you reacquaint yourself with that, you need to tell a great story. I remember before we launched this product at uh, the Atlassian Summit, we just had a bundle of features. But after spending a few months and working with marketing, like I told you, we took what was essentially a bunch of engineering features and we told a great simple story, which is seamless communications, right? And then we broke it out to the elements like I talked about, freedom to focus, meetings, and so on. And that simplicity helped us communicate this in a way that, you know, if you rewind six months, it would have been hard to see that happen, but that work really paid off because as we told the story, I went back to first principles, people really got it. And so you, you'd mentioned that there's this connection between product and marketing. So I'm wondering, to what extent is that a symbiotic relationship? You know, I can see that there's, you know, it gets produced and there's these features and now it needs to be wrapped into a story. But then how much does the story then impact the product and what has changed before delivery? I'll tell you an interesting thing that we started doing here. Like I said, I, I spent some time at Microsoft and arguably they helped define what product management is or was before it spread across the industry because that was an efficient way to manage the innovation process. But in most companies, the core, the unit of R&D is a product manager, developer, and a designer. It used to be product manager, tester, and a developer. And then once design became such high value, such high leverage of software, it became, you know, dev, PM, designer. In Stride, what we started doing is that we now work in a quad. We have a product manager, a marketing manager, a designer, and a developer. And that's sort of our core working unit. That way, there is great symbiosis between the storytelling, the ideation, the development, and the, and the user experience. And these four work together from the first idea to the last bit being checked in all the way so that they're completely in sync and they can tell the best story. Mm, I love that. That's so cool. And, and so can you give maybe an example of a story that was created from the marketing side and then how that maybe influenced the other three quadrants? You know, one of the things that a lot of technical people complain about is that sometimes marketing and sales sort of leads their, their innovation. Mm -hmm. I'm sympathetic to that. It's not how we actually do it. I think what we do is we step back and we say, what problem is there to be solved, right? And we involve the, tr the four of the quad in that problem. We don't necessarily start with, here's a marketing story you want to hear. It's like, what problem do we need to solve? And then as we begin to ideate about that, we are like, whoa, if we solve it this way, we can tell the story. And if we solve it this way, we could build it this way. Or if we solve it this way, we could design it this way. So I think 
the way that I would think about it is that it's more synchronous than one person telling a story and then making everyone else sort of snap to it. Honestly, I think that's, that works the best. And we talk all the time about balanced teams, about diverse teams. And sure, there's diversity in several different ways. And this is our way of injecting sort of uh, disciplined DNA into diversity. And so we can get the best ideas from you know, a bunch of really smart people. I see. That makes sense. So it's more of a, a co-creative process working together to come up with that story, not necessarily the marketing team's responsibility to do so. Exactly. Exactly. Like once we, once you get the core, the nut of it, they do some refining because of course, you know, you'd expect them to be able to do that refining and that ideation and to rely on the marketing organization to do it. But we, they need to come up with the core themselves altogether. I see. Okay. With launching stride, delivering it, getting some of the, the initial feedback, what were some of the immediate challenges you were faced with, with, with that delivery? One of the biggest ones was just the fact that we already have a ton of customers. We have HipChat. HipChat is still around. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, initially we couldn't talk about Stride. Like Stride was a surprise to the world. We kept it secret for a long time. And we kept it secret even from some of our, our loving customers in HipChat. And so because it took so much effort to bring Stride to give birth to it, we necessarily couldn't spend all our time working on HipChat. So it was a very difficult period where we couldn't keep innovating on HipChat, which had a ton of customers, while working on the thing that we thought that they really wanted that would fulfill their top 50 feature requests. And we knew we were building it, just not on the old platform. And so one of the challenges was trying to keep that pace of releases on the old thing while walking on the new thing, which we knew would satisfy the hunger people had for innovation in this space. So that was something that we had to sort of think about, manage, because, you know, one of our big values in the last is don't screw the customer. Mm-hmm. And for us, just uh, philosophically and from a value perspective, it was very uh, challenging to sort of manage that balance. Hmm. Interesting. And so... Was it almost like a halt or how did you balance those resources and focus to like, really move the needle on both fronts? Right. It wasn't a halt. It was a seesaw, right? We have everyone on HipChat. We move some to Stride. And as that product begins to mature, we move more people to it. But we always have people working on HipChat because, like I said, we don't want to screw the customer. Mm-hmm. And still working on the most important things, but you know you have to sort of prioritize ruthlessly because you know you have to balance investing in the past and invest in the future. It was this sort of weird Tai Chi seesaw dance between like how to move uh, elegantly from one to the other without really cheating the destiny of each of them. Right, and you mentioned prioritizing earlier. I remember that was one of the things that that you brought up between product and delivery. What does that methodology look like? You know, how, how are you prioritizing? What sort of framework were you using? I, I really think that great product comes from two main forces. It comes from a clear sense of what your customers want and need, right? And it's easy to figure that out. You ask them mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we have a lot of that stuff. And then the other big force is product strategy, is really understanding your place in the market, the DNA of your company, so you can sort of bracket what you can actually do versus what's a pipe dream. 
and really understanding what to do and what not to do, right? Mm-hmm. And so those two forces, I think, really, I think, drive clear-eyed product management. And the first part was very useful, like the, the understanding of what the customer needed. So we could tell what feature set we thought would be the first cut for a stride, right? And we could also tell the things that people were clamoring on HipChat. And so it was a balance between, okay, we need this level of feature set to even begin to satisfy our customers when we released a new thing. And then this is a this is the short list of things that the people who rely on this already need now, right? And then making sure that we held that clearly and brightly in our head. And that even when we made trade-offs, we could easily sort of say, okay, this is the next thing that either gets done or gets eliminated or whatever that conversation was. So given HipChat and some of the other tools in, in the suite of Atlassian, you know, what are a few of the longer term changes you would like to see made with Stride? Wow, that's a big question. I, I don't know if I'm going to be releasing <laughs> trade secrets or anything. <laughs> I uh, dream of a product that allows you to be productive, but also gives you some control, right? I think the way I I try to contrast this is, look, I love Facebook, right? I'm not a prolific social media user, but I'm probably one of the first people to sign up for a Facebook account because I've always worked in communications. I love to solve the problem of how people share their minds. But, you know, if you look over the last year, you find that Facebook has gone to the point where it's hacking people's brains, right? Like, you know, the dopamine hit is so much that it sort of distorts how much time people spend on it sort of vis-a-vis the value it gives to them. But also, obviously, the stuff around uh, democracy that happened last year. So I dream of a product that focuses on value to customers, but also embodies the best way to use it, right? Let me give you an example. Let's say because we've built these great mobile experiences, I'm working on weekends, like I should be spending time with my family, but instead I'm fielding requests, working on my mobile phone all the time, or I should be at a beach and so on and so forth. I would appreciate an app that said, hey, you spent 50% of your weekend working. Why don't you set up working hours, which is simply a feature that basically tells other people when they try to contact you that you outside your working hours that you will not respond. And also it will sort of suppress your notifications so you're going to get distracted. And so not only do we allow you to work flexibly if you want to, but we give you the framework to protect your time in case you don't have any power in the equation like a lot of employees don't have, and gives you the freedom to step away if that's what you really need for your life. You know, and, and I think a lot about this ethical dilemma as you know, work on life blend, like what is our responsibility to, as we blend and blow work and life to preserve people's life as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the way we think about a success of Stride is you come into work, we don't think about it as we want you to spend 10 hours. Like we don't clock the number of hours you spend in Stride and we're like more is more is better. It's like you come in, we allow you to work efficiently by giving you the ability to work through the medium of conversation. And then you go home. And then when you're home, your family loves you and you hug them and you, you feel like a hero because you got your work done. 
that has to be part of the equation. Healthy people is about making you a hero at work and a hero at home and giving you the tools that let you do that. So I think about that sort of building that capability and that freedom into the application. That's interesting. It's really kind of counterintuitive to what leads to successful apps, right? Because when we're creating these apps, we're wanting to improve user engagement and how can we capture more attention. But you're almost talking about the flip side. It's how do we give time back to the users and really focus on the quality of time spent in this app so they can have even more quality of time outside of the app? Yeah, because, you know, look, the attention grabbing metrics that the mobile industry uses. No, God bless them. I've built a company with a mobile application, so I know what that treadmill can look like. Mm -hmm. But in many ways, it serves the product maker and the VC. And it's hard to build lasting value when you don't build as much value for the customer as you're building for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And so we are very fortunate that we're in a SaaS market where people we have a business model that people pay for. It's not free. We're not, we're not monetizing through ads. You know, Stride Standard is a paid SKU. So we have that freedom where we are making some money. It's sort of built into the business model. So we can have the luxury to think about these things that a lot of smaller mobile product companies can't think of because we haven't really invented a more efficient way than, you know, the number of users you have or ads to monetize. So, Aji, I mean, you've provided us some really great insight and some really good information. I know you've got a lot of cool things in the work over there. Maybe some of them you can't share, but for those that you can share, what is the coolest thing that you're working on right now that you want everyone to check out? <laughs> so I'll mention a couple of things. One is we shipped actions and decisions, right, which a lot of our customers love. And you can put an action decision in any conversation, any channel, any room, we're going to ship the ability for you to aggregate all the actions and decisions you have mentioned in into one spot so that you now have a command center for your ability to sort of take what's coming at you and deal with it efficiently and push it back out and be a hero to the people who are asking stuff of you that makes sense. I'm very excited about that. Uh, the other thing I'm excited about is we're building a next ad iteration of fo focus mode, which... It's even more ambitious, it relies even more on the insights we've created and generated in the last six months so that you, your ability to, we call it the joy of missing out, <laughs> right? <laughs> your ability to actually step away a little bit and work and your work itself and, and the app is communicating what you're working on and, and allows you to sort of seamlessly sort of step back and merge back into traffic, telling you what you're missing, that like gives you a head up display before you do that. I'm excited about the next iteration of Focus One as well. Really cool. And that's something that I'm using at the moment while I'm having this podcast so that I don't get notified <laughs> and bombarded with messages. So <laughs> where should we go to keep tabs on your work? You should just go to stride.com. Actually, you should go to our blog. I think stride.com slash blog. If it's shipping, it's there. That's the ultimate test, right? That's the stuff we're producing. That's our toil. That's our the labor of love that we're doing. I can be found on Twitter at Audio Daysway. I can also be found on Instagram at the same uh, handle as well. But if you want to see what I'm doing, it's all stride and you should go to our blog and check it out. Awesome. So I'll definitely make sure to link to that in the show notes, make it really easy for everybody to go check out as well as link to uh, 
Aji's Twitter handle and Instagram because that's a big focus of his this year and his goals in ramping up those <laughs> social channels. So we got you. Also, make sure to tune in this Friday for Rapid Fire Round, where Aji will be sharing some of his most valuable resources. So, Aji, thank you so much for joining us today and, and really allowing us to look under the hood with Stride, providing a lot of amazing resources. Again, thank you so much for taking the time. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Jordan. It was my pleasure. And have a good evening. Hey, thank you for listening. For additional resources on how to increase sales and performance with your mobile experiences, head over to www.emergemobilefirst.com and select the Get Free Resources button there at the top and gain instant exclusive access to tools and resources from all of our guests aggregated into one single place just for you. Now, I'm looking forward to digging in with my next guest, but until next time, think mobile first.